to White Lunch Oh yeah, that time of the day, it's Monday afternoon's main event right here on What the Truck. And man, if you've been following this comment section, people here are really ready to hear from Thomas Healy. I think we got like half of Wall Street bets there. Yeah, they, we really do. They're <laughs> yeah, they're they're uh, they're rushing the gate, my friend. <laughs> yeah, they really are. Diamond Sit down, hands. or we're gonna have to stop the show, folks. Move back from the stage. Diamond hands making those tendies. Today's yeah. a day for it. Too. I, I are, I'm a Robin Hooder myself. Okay, so okay. these are my people. Be respectful, people. These are my people. But I, I can't open my Robin Hood today because I checked it this morning and like my Bitcoin was like down to like forty nine, and <laughs> it's not good. Today's not a good day in Robin Hood. Maybe it's gone up. Don't give me any spoilers. I'll check it tomorrow. I don't want to do any panic selling. I'm doing it by the way. <laughs> That's the dude. This is a show called What the Truck. It's a podcast that we do three times a week live on FreightWaves.com, FreightWaves LinkedIn, FreightWaves Facebook. Also, you can listen to it on demand on your favorite podcast player of choice. Just look up What the Truck. By the way, on What the Truck, we like a good mug. This mug is brought oh, to man. you by Redwood. And you know what? And this is a heck of a mug, my This friend. really is. So, you know, I know like Yeti pretty well. You guys probably like have Yeti mugs, right? Or you might even stock in Yeti mugs, you Robin Hooders out there. But this is a Perka <laughs> mug, but these things are these things are solid. What did oh, you say? Dude. This thing is anodized? Well, I, it just felt like you should say it's anodized, right? Oh, okay. It's it's uh <laughs> it's very industrious feeling. It's very it's very, very high quality. Yeah. No doubt about it. And it's got the vacuum suck. Yeah, it's got like it. vacuum sealed lid. It's yeah. solid stuff. So thank you very much, Redwood Logistics, for these mugs. We dig them. Um, maybe you can win one. I'm not sure. There's plenty of prizes you can win. I think we should get should we give another one away? Should we get do it before we get into the show? Should we give one more prize away? Yes. Yes. Right. Or we could let Thomas Healy give it away. One of the two. Ooh, we'll do it before he gets it. Right, because we have we only have ten minutes with him. We yeah, get a lot of questions true. about batteries. Very true. In the comments have their questions. They're being all smart about it. So here we go. Apple TV. The winner is Derek Steele. He is the co-CEO at Taman Transport. Is it Taman? Taman. Taman. It's named after a fish, by the way, right? Serbian fish. Uh, no, not no. Serbian. Mongolian or a something Mongolian like that. Fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, a Mongolian fish. Yeah. The, event has been, the event's been pretty great so far. We're going to get in some headlines and news real quick, but just get me up to speed. What's your takeaway so far? Yeah, so it's been really, 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 uh, it's been really interesting. And I put the joke out there, you know, that dogs in space and so on, right? Yeah. But, but uh, so my takeaway is really three, three most important things that came out was the international plan policies. Your international policies and your economic plans have to be very, very involved from education all the way down through tax incentives and tariffs, et cetera, to really uh, bring in the economy cohesively and give us that future proofing, yeah. right, that, that we were talking about. Space and the proliferation of the smaller uh, satellites is while really cool because it gives you multiple layers of, of, of redundancy for defense and that sort of thing. It also makes it that much harder to defend against mm. as well as we go into the strange new era of outer space. Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is, which is difficult. And then dogs, dude, the latest, yeah. greatest technology for scanning uh, cargo is still the dog, which yeah. was amazing to me, which is awesome. Is there anything they can not do? They, they're, dude, they're even checking the Miami Heat players for COVID, dogs. Yeah, beautiful stuff. Yeah. Maybe we'll get some at our door they're to awesome. do that. Anyways, congratulations, Derek Steele. You wore that Apple TV 4K. By the way, do you want this session on demand? You can also watch it on that Apple TV 4K. Just download your FreightWaves TV app or look up uh, FreightWaves YouTube channel. All that stuff will be there, too. And our first headline, snowstorms, right? They can't cool this sizzling freight market. Mm -mm. And uh, you think they would. It's, it's, it's an interesting situation because you're seeing both volumes drop. 
but rejections go up. And typically, volumes have to go up for rejections to be there, but then we have this mitigating factor of the weather, which landed the DHL Supply Chain Pricing Power Index. It's a it's an index, a database we use that uses our data platform sonar and crunches a number of different indices and comes out with this number. 75 is uh, towards carriers. 100% is fully in favor of carriers for pricing power. It's at a 75 right now. Zero would be fully in favor of those shippers. Tell me a little bit about why that is. Yeah, so, I mean, you don't typically, like you said, you don't typically see this at this time of year. This is kind of the off-season. You don't see volumes go down and, uh, or tenders of volumes, you know, shipments go down and rejections go up at the same time. That's typically a holiday type of thing that you start to see that. Uh, But, you know, hey, winter is here and with a force, right? The nor'easter coming through, and then you've got Texas froze over all the way down to the Rio Grande. Uh, So those are the type of things that are hitting it as retailers are struggling to get replenishment back into their inventories. uh, We have these things hitting. So the ripple effect will probably continue as well. Yeah, I mean, I've seen pictures that of a lot of these grocery stores over in the Texas area, but not just Texas, not just limited to there. Deliveries are getting tough throughout a lot of the nation, and that's leading to bare shelves. And it almost looks like some of them almost look like pandemic buying, but a lot of it just has to do with this weather, but it also has to do with fuel because they can't deliver the fuel to a lot of these stations. So even if the even if some of these trucks could pick up the cargo, they can't go anywhere with it because they can't fill up the vehicles. Then you go, well, what about electrical energy? Well, that's been interesting, too, because what we're seeing here is that a lot of the forklifts and things have all been converted to electrical, but with the, with the issues with the power grid, they can't get that. So then a lot of these factories and warehouses are also out of order. So it's going to take a bit to untangle all of this. However, the guidance on our spot rate, if you're playing that spot market, and for you, uh, for you Robinhooders out there, the spot market is uh, it's a little like gambling, right? Hey, a little bit. It's a very volatile, got sonar. <laughs> it's a very volatile, volatile thing that goes up and down uh, very constantly. And uh, there's a lot of carriers. Those are people who move the freight. They hang out in there and they play against the spot market instead of doing something more secure, like getting into contracted or, or dedicated freight or that kind of thing. So it's been an uh, interesting scenario. But let's go a little bit more deeper on that because this winter freeze it could devastate Texas citrus industry. And what's going on with that is the Arctic blast that barreled through Texas last week dealt the uh, the Rio Grande Valley, right? Produce industry, a huge blow. The weather event was one of the worst in their history. Here's a quote from Tommy Wilkins. He is the director of sales at Donna, Texas-based Grove Farms, Texas. And he says, I have been in the business for 45 years, and I do not recall this widespread cold and the temperature level to get down this much. It's And the significant amount of downtime that it's created. This will be a major hit to growers across the board, and it'll be a couple of days before before we see the total extent of the damage. So people are still unwinding all of these impacts. Yeah, they certainly are. You know, and it, and it, and it goes all the way down into the Rio Grande, which is where you're talking about the heart of, of the Lone Star of the Lone Star states. Their produce is, yeah. is there right along that. And uh, what's it? Dante Galazzi is a president of the Texas International Produce Association. He said the loss of power has been a tremendous issue. It makes assessing uh, product in the where accessing product in the warehouse is nearly impossible. Most of forklifts are electric now. So what you were talking to, even if you can get yeah. something there, it's not there. Should we look into sonar a little bit? Yeah, show me some sonar. And like yeah. this. This almost looks like a Robin Hood chart. Show me the sonar and show me show me what's going on with reefer rates, reefer or refrigerated trailers. For those who are not familiar, you pull a lot of produce in those things. You pull a lot of perishables in those kind of things. So what's going on with that market? Yeah, so if we can bring up the first the first chart here. The first chart here is your reefer outbound tender rejection index in the blue versus total rejection. So these are the number of trucks that are, or the number of loads that are being rejected. Okay. Right? And, and so 46.93%, you can see on the far end right at 46.93% of all the refrigerated loads that are being offered are being rejected, mean 
the, the truck's got something else to do, or they just can't yeah. get there to get it. So, what you're, so, so someone, in, goes, someone goes, I have a shipment of something, I need you to move it, and then, then someone's rejecting it. Yeah, someone's saying, saying, no, I can't. I, I, can't. Yeah. I, I don't have the, I can't get there, I don't have the truck, I got, I've got, uh, somebody else is paying more. Sure. It can, it can happen as well. So you got shippers trying to find a capacity. The next chart, if you bring that up, the next, the next uh, chart here is actually a heat map of the weekly change of refrigerated tender rejects by market, 135 markets in the United States, in the color. The darker the blue means rejections have gone up significantly in the last week. If you can see the height of it, the height of those markets is the volumes. And you can see down there in Texas that there is uh, Houston, the rejections are going up much higher over the last week. Now, it doesn't mean that they're low in Dallas or Fort Worth where you see that pink, or even in Austin, San Antonio where it's kind of grayish there. It doesn't mean they're low. It just means a week over week has not changed but you can see that swath of where they're starting to come back there's some there's some volumes there but northern florida reefer you good luck finding a reefer unit there the next one that i have here uh duners to go through some rates on some lanes there uh the next chart that i have is actually a a market table and the center uh there the center green on the left hand side is the actual rate uh per mile for refrigerated um including fuel and so you're yeah. looking at atlanta to louisville up 20 percent chicago Chicago to Louisville up 19%, but talking about Texas, Laredo to Houston up yeah. 20%, Laredo right. to Fort Worth up 16 So major markets, major, major markets, markets up 20 to 16%. Uh, up 20 to 16% across yeah, the board. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, these are the comments. So that's the data, but here's the context that is also given by our great reporters at FreightWaves.com who look into this kind of stuff. And this is what another gentleman had to say. Unfortunately, we're seeing there are no trucks to move product out of these warehouse. Equipment is being delayed throughout the state by snow, icy roads, sleet, and freezing rain. So we kind of already touched on that. And it says, even if you could get a truck how would you get it out of the area with all of those fuel shark fuel surcharges all of these issues coming to a head we are going to be talking to doug wagner he's the ceo over at echo global logistics they are a company who had to contend with covid has to contend with the weather and has to constantly solve these kind of issues within the supply chain doug thank you so much for joining us on the the air today people said you know 2021 is gonna be better than 2020 that was a lie I Can think we? we're breaking up on his good end. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. Hey, Hi, Doug. It's, it's good to have you on the show. Um, Doug, actually, by the way, you know, I was Doug, I was looking into this. He's San Diego State University, right? Ooh, couple, at- couple. Marshall Falk, Tony Gwynn, Kathleen Kennedy. Kathleen Quint- Kennedy, she produced E.T., Jurassic Park, took over Star Wars from George Lucas when they sold that. That's not bad. A little bit of background there. Hey, but the great Brian Sipe of the... Uh, Cardiac kids from uh, of the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, for years he was right. actually a great NFL quarterback. Doug, we're going to talk about technology and some of the issues that we faced in the past year. But right now, with the weather and and all of that, how has Echo Global Logistics been handling what happened down in Texas? Well, we've seen uh, quite a disrupted market right now. We saw prices, uh, cost per mile, went up last week. I think as much as we've ever seen it. Uh, in, in recent times, so it's definitely having an impact both on the shippers, who some of which are closed. And then the carriers' networks are out of position. Yeah, you know, Doug, this is a global event, obviously. Can, can you speak to, you know, your vision on tech and how important is it that it really connects us all across the borders within our supply chain, across languages and cultures, et cetera? Well, I think that, uh, you know, the emphasis on technology over the last few years has been a, a good thing for the entire industry. It's, it's helped raise the awareness of what shippers and, and truckers can do. You know, I would contend that, you know, for a lot of years, our industry has lagged the rest of the business world in technology. And and a lot of that, frankly, is just because of the slow or lackluster adoption by shippers and by carriers. And so I think the heightened 
uh, visibility of technology in, in part due to some of the startups that, are, that we're seeing has, has raised awareness and it's causing a lot of the shippers and the carriers to be willing to try new technology, whereas in the past they, they ran their business on a whiteboard. So uh, I think uh, the larger shippers for sure uh, set the way and, and start to demand uh, certain types of technology and visibility, uh, especially as they're more sophisticated in the management of their supply chains. But that trickles on down to the smaller players as well. And I think that's where the world is headed. So, Doug, when you're looking at technology, is this something you can buy out of the box? You can go to one of these startups. Maybe you can acquire one of these startups. Or is this technology you have to build yourself? What what has served global? Um, what has served Echo Global Logistics better? Well, our, our strategy has always been to build proprietary technology. And we think that when you when you get to scale, you start to create your own proprietary processes and those require proprietary technology to enable those workflows. But I would say uh, for smaller brokers and carriers, there's lots of off-the-shelf technology today that you can use and, and it's getting better and better all the time. So um, as, as the world becomes more automated, I think everybody at all levels can play. Uh, but, but in our case, it's proprietary. It always has been. And, and we think that that's the future for Echo. So, Doug, can you speak to a little bit about those that prior proprietary technology that you're that you're hinting towards, uh, particularly the Echo Ship and the Echo Drive? Yeah, well, our Echo Ship is a portal for shippers. It's a multimodal portal. Um, we uh, have a, a carrier-facing portal, which is Echo Drive, and it's both a, a web portal for dispatchers and a mobile app for drivers. And I think one of the exciting things about both of those platforms is they're more and more empowered by data science. So I, I think for us, as we think about looking forward, it's, it's how do we take our data science team and empower our technology with algorithms that makes us smarter, that guides our behavior, that makes our, our shippers and our carriers smarter. And, uh, you know, it's, it's all about creating that efficient uh, marketplace where, where we can execute and everybody wins. In Q4 of 2020, you achieved 13% total revenue growth. Congratulations on that. I bet in March of last year, a lot of companies didn't think that was possible. There's a lot of panic actually going on in the industry. And you had a mix of brokerage and managed transportation that, that looked pretty good as, as well. Can you, can you speak to that? Can you speak to the challenges of last year and how you managed to get through it? Yeah, well, I would agree that in the April timeframe, I was, I was very concerned about how the year was going to go. And of course, we didn't know how the pandemic was going to play out. And then lo and behold, um, as, as companies came back to work, especially the smaller companies, uh, they had, they, they burned through their inventory pretty quickly, which caused them to have to reorder from their suppliers. And those supply chains were disrupted. So, you know, people who were getting orders in two weeks, it was taking six or eight weeks to get their, their inventory back on the shelves. And so that, that, created a, quite a disruption and, and was good for our industry. It created a lot of demand. Um, we used up all the available capacity, as you know, and, and the market got tight, prices went up, um, which is good for, for carriers and brokers, maybe not so good for shippers. Uh, we also saw as a result of the pandemic, you know, people staying at home and buying more stuff. So they weren't they weren't buying services, they weren't traveling, they weren't taking cruises, they weren't going to the movies, they, you know, they weren't doing any of those things, but they were buying more stuff, you know, and that benefits the transportation industry. And, and certainly we were able to ride that wave and, and produce the kind of growth that you mentioned. So, um, you know, 2021 actually turned out to be a, a good year, despite uh, 
the pandemic. And we actually think that looking forward, um, I'm sorry, 2020 was a good year, but looking forward into 2021, we really don't see it letting up. You know, the, there's a normal January and February slow period that you would expect from a seasonal basis, uh, even though um, we're in that time of the year, it's it's feeling pretty good right now. And, and looking forward, you know, we know that the, there's still a driver shortage. Uh, to the best of our knowledge, the, the carriers are not adding a lot of additional capacity and demand seems like it's staying strong. So, you know, we're pretty bullish on 2021. Excellent, Doug. So can you give us kind of uh, what your view is on the digital freight marketplace uh, and, and really from the perspective of how uh, Echo differs from tech only uh, type of companies that really don't have freight capacity or, or, or shippers? Sure. Well, I think we're evolving into an era where, you know, having a digital freight marketplace uh, matters and it matters in particular to, to larger shippers and, and lots of carriers that are looking for loads. Um, I think that what's unique about our business model is that, you know, we have a digital freight marketplace and, it, and it's using the latest and greatest technology. But at the other end of the spectrum, we still believe it's a relationship business. And we we deal with lots of shippers and lots of carriers that, that rely on their rep. Um, they want to talk to us or email with us. And, and so until the entire market shifts to digital, I think it's great to have a foot in both camps so that we can serve the very, very sophisticated and automated who want to have an API type relationship. And for those that want to have a phone call with their rep and everything in between. Perfect. Well, hey, Doug, we got about a minute left. Any predictions for what you, which direction you think the freight market's going to go in in 2021? Yeah, I think 2021 is going to stay strong. I think capacity is going to stay tight. I think the prices are going to stay elevated. And uh, it may not be as peaky as 2020 was, but I think it's it's going to look a lot like 2020 in terms of the overall uh, tight market conditions and higher prices. Doug, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate you joining us on the show at uh, Global Supply Chain Week. We're going to jump Thanks over. for having me. And uh, sorry. Thank you. Take care, Doug. Now we're going to jump over to Thomas Healy from Hylion. Yeah. Uh, he's a founder and CEO over there. I know a lot of you in the comments section have been waiting to hear from him. I have as well because they have this really uh, cool hybrid solution they're working on. And they had oh, yeah. a great announcement that they just put out about some new battery technology. Thomas, thanks so much for joining us on the air today. Hey, guys. Great to be back on. Thanks for having me. You know, I always I always love when you come on because I always do a little bit more research into you. And you are a Carnegie Mellon alumnus. And what I found out is that Olaf from Frozen also went there. So did George A. Romero, <laughs> the godfather of zombie movies. Andy Warhol, Scott Fallman, the creator of the emoticon. Chris Mesna, the creator of the hashtag. You know, I'd argue that these are some of the biggest contributors to modern pop culture. And you know what? I think EVs are moving in that direction, too. Absolutely. And uh, no, it's a fantastic school. Uh, it's pretty unique where there's actually like an engineering school and a fine arts school all combined into one and, and some really top talent there. I guess uh, long term, though, they still haven't named the engineering school building yet, though. So I guess, you Ooh. know, that's the you know, we can really go deploy this thing. That's the, the future goal right there. <laughs> wow, really? The Healy School of Engineering. I love, I love it. it. Yeah, I love it. So you just delivered this next generation battery module for your hybrid solution. It uses um, a Toshiba LTO battery, but I'm sure you can tell me more about it than I can tell you. As so, a company, we're on a mission to oh, I got, we got a video carbon on intensity and reduce the green. Okay, maybe we don't. <laughs> Thomas, tell us a little bit about the battery. All right, I'll give you the true voiceover as to the post of the video voiceover. There no, we. we uh, 
we, yeah, we just unveiled our next generation battery module. Uh, some really exciting stuff with it. Uh, eight minute recharge to be able to recharge the whole battery. We're expecting about a five time longer life cycle out of the battery module than conventional EV batteries. And it's safer. So, I mean, we're hitting on a lot of really interesting things here. I mean, as you guys know, the commercial vehicle space is all about uptime, keeping vehicles out on the road, keeping assets moving, running them 24-7. And when you think about being able to do a full recharge of a battery pack in about the same amount of time that it takes a driver to go grab a cup of coffee, you can really rethink how you deploy EV vehicles. Um, now, this battery module, we initially specifically designed it for our product, which the way the hyper truck works is and the hybrid product, you're constantly charging and recharging and discharging the battery throughout the day, right? I mean, you're generating that electricity locally on the truck to supply the batteries with power. Now, that's why we designed it and used this LTO chemistry uh, to be able to accept really high charge and discharge rates. But as we took a look at this battery module, we really saw that there's areas for opportunity to use it elsewhere as well, right? I mean, you guys uh, can think of like a terminal tractor, for instance, where you know, you're trying to run that asset 24-7. If your driver could get a full recharge in about eight minutes, uh, then you, know, you don't have to worry about having a truck down for a couple hours doing a recharge of the battery pack. So we see it opening up a lot of opportunities here yeah the battery pack there for the the yard horse or the yard yard jostlers that you're talking about around around the yards is amazing the 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 five uh times longer cycle can you put that in layman's turn of what what time frame is that looking like what does that compare to right an hour to five hours or what, what is that what does that look like yeah, so we're looking at really is like how long the battery is going to live for, basically, right? And so you know, EV batteries um, they start degrading over time, right? And you know, if you if you go buy a, a fully electric car, the amount of miles you can drive on day one of owning it versus you know year three of owning it is different, right? The, the batteries have just kind of worn down some, uh, and so we're seeing about five times longer to, that it's going to take until the batteries actually wear down, and so. Our goal is ultimately these batteries will actually be able to outlive the vehicles. And then we can start looking at really cool things like, you know, are there opportunities to use these batteries in second life, right? Could you do grid storage opportunities? You know, once they're no longer good enough to really be used on, on highway applications, could we use them in other types of, uh, of applications like backup energy? Wow. Mm. Wow. The comment section, by the way, this guy here says, Lord Healy, bringer of green energy. So (laughs) Lord Healy. All right. You've got You've got a lot. You've got a lot of fans in here. Can you turn? Can you talk a little bit about the higher charging rates, though? How does that how does that all work, too? Let's break down and get a little more nuanced on this battery. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, there's you know, I like to think about batteries as like, um, you know, and this is probably way oversimplifying it, but uh, it, it makes sense to me is it's just like, it's like going and buying a loaf of bread, right? You go into the grocery store and it's like, you have wheat, white, you know, you got a whole bunch of different selections. And then once you get into that, you have different makers of the actual bread. You have Wonder Bread and, you know, other companies, right? And batteries are the same way. There's lithium ion batteries, but you have different chemistries of batteries. So you have lithium titanate, which is what we're using, LTO. You have NMC, you have lithium phosphate. There's a bunch of other different you know, types. And then you have different manufacturers. So the manufacturer that we're using is Toshiba. Uh, Tesla is using Panasonic. LG Chem is a big player in this space as well, right? So there's a whole bunch of different people's making, making the actual batteries. And so you know, one of the really unique things with this lithium titanate-based chemistry that we're using is that it's 
it's got some really unique properties where it's good for those high charge rates, uh, as you were kind of mentioning there, um, that allows it to accept energy at a very, very fast rate, almost like a capacitor works. You know, it can charge up really quickly um, versus if you look at, you know, a normal EV battery, uh, it takes a long time to recharge those, but they have a lot higher energy density. So we're not saying that our battery is like the right thing to go use in every EV application, right? It's, it's not. It, it's, there's specific use cases where it makes a lot of sense. Just like, you know, if you use a uh, high energy density battery, that makes sense for if you're trying to drive a couple hundred miles without having to recharge. Ours is more about we'll recharge it really, really quickly and give you the range you need, but you're going to have to come back and recharge it a couple of times. Thomas, I have a quick follow-up on that because you mentioned the, you know, different manufacturers picking different partners for the battery solution. What made you decide to pick the partner that you did for yours? Yeah, so one is just the the quality of the batteries. Toshiba is a fantastic uh, maker of cells. Uh, their quality is is second to none. I mean, it's they they really excel there, as well as on the safety side of things. So I know this is uh, the a military segment for you guys, right? I mean, one of the really cool things with uh, with this battery is you can actually penetrate the cell with a nail or let's say a bullet, right? And you're actually not going to get a, a fireball coming out of the cell. That's one of the problems when you look at really high energy density cells is if you penetrate the side of them, there's a good chance you're going to have a thermal event. Versus with the cells that we're using, the the Toshiba LTO, uh, they actually aren't going to have that fireball that you would normally experience. And so it just makes it a much safer and more stable chemistry to be able to work with. So they're much they're much safer and much more stable. Now, the, the, the charging time, the quick charging time, and you're talking about the, the density of the charge once it's done charging, et cetera, means that it needs to be charged more often. Is that what made it the good the good fit with with your onboard charging? That's exactly why. Yeah. So we're less worried about energy density, right? Because our, our battery pack is really small and it just constantly gets recharged. Um, and so that's where this this technology made a lot of sense for us um, versus, you know, might not make sense in, in a, some other type of applications. But, you know, I think one of the uh, the really neat things with the way we've structured the Hypertruck and, um, you know, we recently shared a little bit about this is that our battery pack is about 120th the size of a conventional EV truck. So if you looked at, you know, you could either deploy 20 of our vehicles or 20, uh, or I'm sorry, you could deploy 20 of our vehicles or one uh, full BEV vehicle and have the same amount of battery packs in each vehicle. So as we're going forward here and we're really faced with, there's going to be a shortage of batteries. We heard it on Tesla's earnings call. They were already talking about how uh, they're deciding to take batteries and use them in cars as opposed to put them in their semi trucks because they can generate a lot more revenue from shipping cars than they can from trucks. So as, as you're going to have a battery sor- shortage going forward here, uh, that's where we see our solution making a ton of sense because we have a very small pack uh, and yet we just be, we're able to recharge it as you're going. You know, I follow a lot of a lot of truckers on Twitter. I talk to a lot of different truckers, and one of their complaints about EVs is charging times, fueling times. I remember they were like with, with Nikola, they were looking at the hydrogen. It was like forty-five minutes to fuel, where I believe it's like eleven minutes to fuel with mm. diesel, right? To get a mm-hmm. fuel a full mm-hmm. tank. So you got to make it comparable. Well, your battery's saying eight-minute charge time. Now that is opening a lot of eyes. Tell us a little bit about this reduced charge time. How'd you get there, and 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 what's the real-world application? 
Yeah, so part of it is is due to the cell that we actually use, and then part of it is due to how we actually design the module. Uh, so we use some really advanced cooling strategies. So we actually uh, cool the cells, actively cool them as the uh, the batteries are going down the road, and that allows us to extract heat out of them and keep them in their optimal operating temperature. And really, the the thing of uh, how you control a battery, the, like the the crux of it all, is around heat. Uh, if you overheat the batteries or operate them at too high of a temperature, uh, the battery doesn't like that. Versus if you can keep them cool, uh, the battery can perform at really, really high levels. And so that's how we're able to really push the boundaries on how fast we can recharge them is by cooling them better. Um, and then also the battery management system that we put on top of it. So the actual software that we use in order to control uh, the charge and discharge of the battery, uh, that's something that you know we've developed in-house here at Hylion. And we think it's, it's one of the key parts of the strategy here of being able to really push the batteries and figure out how you can get the most out of them. Now, Steli over here on Twitter, Steli823 had a question. He said, you gonna find out how the military's gonna use these eight-minute batteries. I think he's asking is, will there be, uh, you mentioned the proprietary battery technology. Are you going to sell these to the military, have contracts with, with the military? Is there any forward look there? Yeah, so I think when we initially kicked this off, uh, the focus was, uh, to start, was just on our own applications and using them there. But uh, we see a lot of real world applications where it can be used elsewhere and, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense to use it elsewhere. So that is something our team is going to pursue is looking at other opportunities on where these batteries make a bunch of sense. Uh, you know, we, we were recently having a discussion even on like, um, you know, ferries, right? You know, the goal of a ferry is it, it goes a short distance and then it, ha- it docks for a little while and then it has to go back. Well, if you could have a battery that can recharge fully during the docking, then you can run that ferry 24-7 and not have downtime. Uh, and that's those are the type of applications where we see this making a ton of sense. And it's things that we're going to pursue as a company to, to try to really broaden um, you know, our ability to get these modules out there. You know, he had us all thinking about like RNG, right? Every time yeah. we talk to him, it's about RNG, and then he's yeah. kind of swerved us with this really kick-ass battery that's come out. It's pretty. Is it safe? <laughs> is it safe? It is. So we uh, we actually went through UN thirty eight point three testing already. So it's already gotten the box checked of it's uh, safe for transportation and. Um, you know, we're already at a point where uh, it's going to be integrated into our next generation hybrid system, which will be coming out this year. So it's real. Uh, you know, we've we've done the testing. It uh, it works. And now we're, we're in the commercialization and deployment phase of it. That's really awesome stuff. And I'm thinking, is, are they so the size of these batteries? You talked about one to I don't know how many of the other ones, five or 50 of the other batteries or whatever you said it was. So that's got to have a significant uh, improvement in payload for that truck. Right. The, sure. the weight on that truck's got to be reduced. Are these things small enough that it moves into uh, electrified forklift applications and that type of stuff? Is that the size that we're talking about? Yeah, so it's you know our, we're at one twentieth the size of what a uh, a conventional EV truck would need, which you hit the nail on the head. I mean that that eliminates that payload issue, right? I mean that's the big concern. Not only infrastructure with EV trucks, but it's how much is it going to cut into the payload. Uh, one fleet was joking with us, and they were like, "Look, we're we're in the business of of shipping goods in our trailers, not in moving batteries around, right? Mm-hmm. You can't have batteries that weigh you know fifteen thousand pounds and uh, and still be able to haul cargo. So from that standpoint, you know that's where we've seen this battery technology work really well for us because we have a very light and small battery pack. It gets recharged constantly. Um, but I think you're, you're right of, you know, this can stem into other applications like forklifts. I mean, there's, uh, 
there's really a wide variety of, of use cases here. And, you know, the, the best way to think about it is just like what assets need to be able to, you know, keep an uptime of 24 uh, seven. And, you know, forklifts is a great example, yard trucks, ferries, those are all great examples of ways that uh, you need to have this really, really fast recharge in order to keep the asset being utilized. Yeah, I mean, whoever can make it this small can solve that equation is going to take the lead in the trucking space. Mm, we know that mm-hmm. full well because you have to solve that equation yep. of size, of charging, of weight, and of density. Those those are the major key components to make this really work. I bet you, you probably have a patent on this battery then, right? We do have some patents around it, yeah. So, I mean, it's something where... Uh, we're protecting. And then, you know, one of the other things that you mentioned, you kind of mentioned the the issues, but the other one is infrastructure, right? I mean, that's something we hear time and time again from fleets is, where am I going to recharge? Where am I going to refuel uh, our trucks? And with our hyper truck solution, leveraging RNG, there's already 700 stations out there. And that's one of the big selling points that we've heard with fleets is they don't want to have to go put in $30 million worth of battery recharging infrastructure for over-the-road long-haul trucks that have these huge, huge packs that they need to recharge, right? Um, now, if it's a small pack, you do fast recharges. That is less uh, infrastructure needed from a grid standpoint. Or with the hyper truck, you just recharge them as you go. You bring the fuel with you. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, I know that you have a big day tomorrow with earnings coming up, so we'll let you get to that. Thank you for being so gracious and answering all our questions about the battery. If people want to learn more information, where should we send them over to? Yeah, you can go to Hylion.com, H-Y-L-I-I-O-N.com. I uh, look forward to, to hearing from you guys. And, you know, once again, appreciate you guys having me on. And uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll uh, chat again in the near future here. I love it. Thank you very much, Thomas. All right. Thanks, guys. I, th- I think they're going to name that school after him. I think they're going to name that, that engineering hall after Thomas. I, I think we could start a movement to make, try, uh, try and help make that happen. I mean, he makes a great point about the infrastructure, too, and I was remiss oh, yeah, in not mentioning does. that. But, I mean, I kind of touched it in the sense that, like, when we talked about hydrogen, pe- nobody ain't nobody got time to waste 40 minutes fueling a truck <clears> when <throat> you can do it with diesel. You're, it's just not going to be – you cannot take four times as long. No, or RNG. <laughs> yeah, you can't take four times as long. Yeah, no, you're, you just you can't. can't. No, you no, can't you can't, it. and you can't. You don't need to go out there and build a whole new infrastructure. Yeah, <laughs> when it's already like there's already 700 filling stations for it, right? Yeah, and then you got this, dare I say, kick-ass battery. It really <laughs> is. Like I said, swear we've been talking about RNG with him this whole time, and then he comes on. He's like, look, at this, I got a battery that can charge in eight minutes. Like, whoa. Knocks yep. your socks off, man. Well, we got Patrick Pretorius. Patrick Pretorius now. He's Director of Business Development North America with Transporion. Hey, Patrick, thanks for joining us. <laughs> Hey guys, afternoon. How are you? Hey, where are you? What's that mountain range behind you? <laughs> it's uh, I'm I'm at home, but uh, the, the I'm in Philadelphia. There's a bunch of snow falling outside here, so there's a fan on the roof, but I'm hardly using it right now. Oh, okay. So I, I, I see it was the way we were zoomed out here because I asked because I was looking at this and it was like you went to Singapore Institute of Materials Management, and I was like, oh, maybe he operates from overseas, but that's not the case. Um, just out of curiosity, because this is Global Supply Chain Week, and there's a lot of people here looking for supply chain education throughout the mm-hmm. world. How did uh, Singapore do you? Singapore is a fantastic place, honestly. I'll probably try and make my way back there at some point again in my career. Uh, it's a very hot country, but uh, it's it's a ton of fun, ton of different people, lots of stuff to learn. Perfect place for networking, and uh, I guess as you know, it's kind of a supply chain hub, right? There's there's so much activity kind of under the microscope happening there for that region. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've been talking over the last year and watching really as technology and transportation has grown, right? And yeah. through, obviously throughout the world. And we've, we've talked about transportation, trying to bring it forward, right? I mean, that's been mm-hmm. part of our mission here at FreightWave since the, since the inception is bringing, bringing the entire industry forward and helping to make that happen. Do you still see a big gap between what exists between in our industry and, and, and the state of the world today? Uh, or, or, yeah. or do you see it catching up? What's your view? I think. I think it's catching up for sure, but there's still a gap. I mean, it's undeniable, right? I think there's some big players out there um, that are making leaps and bounds, but in general, um, kind of four broad observations, right? It's painting with a, with a pretty broad brush here, but we're in a world today uh, that's really focused on digitalization. You know, we hear talk about internet of things, uh, widespread use of mobile communication, but Transportation today, despite being mission critical industries, is, is kind of underserved, right, by technology, depending on which uh, which elements, which aspects you're you're looking into. Um, and and what we're what we're trying to promote here, we're saying that it can be fixed by connecting parties uh, through smart interfaces, uh, powerful platforms, uh, and that's kind of just the start, right? So then we think about sustainability. I think it's one of the most interesting topics right now on a lot of um, a lot of people's lips and even thinking about the session just before I mean that was fascinating about the battery but it's still going to take some time to implement all of that right um, for now you know the DOT estimates that something like 29% of trucks in the US are running empty at any at any moment right and what does that do in terms of sustainability so what can we do with technology think beyond just the next load um, and, and 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 the next order and try to find ways to connect partners um, in a more efficient way right and 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 where that cost and efficiency is then so important and and competition is fierce among providers uh, who are trying to you know give their best pricing uh, and 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 pay the best prices um, you still again hear that that empty trucks are traveling like 20 billion highway miles each year so so how does that add up into the total kind of global cost of everything? Um, technology then, of course, trying to generate upsides, right, by uh, connecting shippers and carriers with with these perfect backloads. And I think that's one of the most interesting kind of areas that we're looking into today, right? We've got talks about big data. We've talked about AI, predictability, uh, algorithms, all of that kind of stuff, the need for real-time visibility, Um Transportation, on the other hand, still, you know, there's a tendency to rely a bit on your gut feelings, right? And I think that's human nature. We're going to do it, but it's 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 going to potentially be uh, a little bit slower, right? And a bit more reactive than, than predictive. So how do we solve it? We look to technology, right? We look to that big data. We combine planning. We combine strategy with tactical execution um, and kind of put it into one place, one kind of overlay experience from a, from a technology platform point of view, right? So... A kind of funny, funny analogy I, I, I was thinking of the other day, and I, I heard someone talking about the stock market earlier. But you know, the, the the thinking goes, and there's so much funny stuff going on lately. But no one should really be kind of day trading their entire retirement fund. You you don't want to go all day every day in the spot market. And it's kind of the same thing, right? On the freight space, you if you're someone that's managing a, a, an annual logistics budget in the tens or hundreds of millions. Um, you, you, you shouldn't be playing in the spot market all day. You need predictability. The carriers need more predictability. Um, yeah. And so, and so you're saying you know, I shouldn't put all you should I shouldn't put all of my uh, house money in, in Dogecoin like like I have. Sorry, honey. One thing we talk about data, though, and that becomes like that becomes a blur. But data is nothing without a story and without a narrative. Yeah. So what are some of the highlights that you have seen from the data? What is the data? What story is the data telling about the global supply chain? Yeah, totally. Um, the question then is kind of like, 
when should we be looking in the spot market? When should we be going with uh, our contract rates, right? So from a data perspective, um, we, we have, as an offering, a TMS side, more tactical. We have a strategic side where we're running a lot of RFQs, right? Annual RFQs, spot bids. And what we saw last year, um, it was dramatic, right? We saw a huge dip in the number of RFQs. Obviously, that's to be predicted, right? Based on, on what was going on in the market, spot rates were through the roof. A lot of shippers are saying, I'm not going to go run out and do my RFP. Um, but we saw uh, a dip in the spend. And then around week 22 onwards, the number of RFQs actually started going up. And, and that's the interesting thing, right? We've seen so many shippers now kind of playing in this new gray area between the big bids and the spot bids. It's like these mini bids, right? We've just seen hundreds of these mini bids going on. It's not one lane. It's not a one-off hotshot shipment. It's, it's these kind of lanes that are a little bit less predictable. Um, there's an element of of them being more cyclical, right? So, so what we want to do um, is put them out to bid when it makes sense to do that, right? So, number um, number of RFQs then started going up on average for the second half of the year, up 31% year over year, but spend down 34%. So, what does that tell you, right? More activity, but less business up for grabs. Mm-hmm. Now we're in the market um, in a big way. I mean, just about every single one of our North American headquartered shippers are in the market right now with their annual bids, mostly forecasting seven or eight percent increase on their contract rates. Contract rates kind of across the board. Um, you know, we're kind of helping them to keep that flat, obviously, but uh, that's now up fifty percent compared to last year, and that's pre-COVID, right? That's week two, week three, week four, before all the lockdowns and all that kind of stuff went into place. Yeah. So the wow. data tells an interesting story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's fascinating stuff, Patrick. If people want to learn more information about this, they want to hook up with Transporion, they want to get your data, where do we send them to? Uh, www.transporion.com. Couldn't get any easier than that. Love it, man. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. I also can't believe I thought yeah. that was a mountain range. I don't know. I got to get my eyes checked after this episode. It's, a, it's just the it's room. Yeah. I don't judge. Thank you. Take, take it easy. Yeah, you know, it's, it comes on you quick. I'm almost at the point on my iPhone where I'm going to turn up like the font size. Sorry, I, I hate to admit that kind of stuff, but I'm almost there. Don't All do right. it, man. Don't do it. Yeah, I need like the Jitterbug phone. Do not go gently I tried the into big, that I good tried name. the big iPhone and I hated it. It takes up too much space in your pocket. I went back down to an S an SE. I, I reduced size on mine, but good job. There you go. A little segment on the show we call Big Deal, Little yeah. Deal. Let's get to the first one. I'll ask you this one, dude. Uh, Amazon is offering 2000 and I, I thought this was a big deal when I read it. I don't mean to step on the lead here, but Amazon is offering $2,000 resignation bonus if you quit. Is this a big deal or a little deal? And give us a little context to what's happening here. Yeah, so um, at first I read it, and I was like, well, not that big of a deal, uh, but interesting. Yeah. Why Why would they be doing something like this? But yeah, digging into it, I agree with you 100%. Big deal. They're doing it. They're, they're union busting is what they're trying to do. They've yeah. got dangers of, of unionizing workforces, and uh, they're offering, uh, what is it, two year? If you've been through two peak seasons, you get $2,000 yeah. resignation. If three, you get 3000 So they're trying to get the older guard that have been there maybe are complaining a little bit more than the other ones there that may be back in the union to just take their money, shut up, and run. I think it's a big deal that they're getting away with it. And there's some other things that they're doing inside there as well that are kind of like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, Payday Report was talking about this. They said in violation of their social distancing policy, they've been having anti-union meetings. They've 
achievement. Um, this is allegedly, allegedly, according to this site, yeah. they're they're according to them harassing employees, sending them text messages and emails, telling them all about this union kind of thing. Yeah. And then they're trying to incentivize the malcontents, right? Or I mean, what they consider malcontents. These are people who want to who start a union, regardless of what your opinion is on unions. I mean, they're they're trying to break that up. I mean, it, it seems like it pretty clearly from what is going on. On here, and it seems like a very tough situation. I'm not, I'm not a union lawyer or something, but uh, I think it's a big deal. I think it's a big deal too, and I'm not a union lawyer either. But I do recall uh, the uh, early in my career, the unionizing efforts, uh, uh, training sessions on what you can and cannot do, and it was pretty darn strict. And this seems like clear violations. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, again, I'm not a lawyer on TV. No, do I play one on TV? So. But hey, big deal, little deal for you. Walmart Associates offered free MIT supply chain management courses. It sounds big to me. What do you think? I think it's huge. I think it's huge because you have people, people always got like, right? When people are arguing against like minimum wage and these kind of like, go and go and find another job, go and go and get that thing. Well, I, I like that Walmart because Walmart takes a lot of criticism, right? Sure. But I sure. like that Walmart is is partnering with with MIT in this thing to give them this MicroMasters education. They're incentivizing mm-hmm. people to go and do it. They're giving associates promotions for going out and doing it. And I love it for a lot of reasons. I love it for the education, the empowerment that it gives these employees, right? And it gives them an upper hand to escalate from this position, maybe take an interest in supply chain. Supply chain is the, one of the beautiful things about supply chain, and we talk about this on What the Truck all the time, this very show we talk about, our comeback stories and anything, is that you can come from nearly any walk of life, any education level, you can walk in the door of a brokerage, get a job, you might not get paid the most money, but you can get a decent wage, right? And you can grow in there. Education is not a huge limiter in there, but education can definitely help you and it can interest you. And I think what they're doing with MIT, and I'm very familiar with MIT having been up in Boston. I, yeah. Every year I'd go over to their scale event where they'd all the students show their supply chain projects. They had to they had yeah. to solve issues. And it was always fascinating to go to those scale events because you would get people who like understand supply chain and they would come out solutions that are pretty straightforward. Then you'd you'd come then you'd have like you'd have like the mathematical engineers and those kind of people who aren't who don't know the moving of freight, but they're solving the problem mm-hmm. the way they would think to. Right. Even if it's not right, it's just really interesting seeing all of those minds meld together. So huge. I love that they're empowering employees this yep. way. Huge deal. Uh, yeah, I, love, I, I agree with you 100%. From, from the aspect of educating your own employee base and growing talent from within, yeah. but also recognizing the fact that most of those, or maybe not most, but there's certainly a percentage, a large percentage of those customers who are, this isn't their end goal to work for Walmart in a retail setting or whatever it happens to be and want to move on and helping them move on. And then, hey. They send other people your way because you did them right as well. Well, So it's a good play all the way around for the economy, for training, for everybody. And you can stay internally, too, because, I mean, Walmart, they got a pretty big supply chain. Oh, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, to grow your own talent inside. Absolutely. Absolutely. Perfect. All right, here's one for you. Kuninagel buys Hong Kong Ford or Apex. Is this a big deal or a little deal? Well, I mean, it's 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 the biggest. I think it's the biggest deal that that they have done. That okay. Kuna <laughs> Nagel has done, right? Two point two billion dollar Apex is is their purchase. So I, I think it's a big deal all the way around. It is certainly for Kuna Nagel. It's the biggest purchase they've done. Yeah. Um, and it also shows you what's happening there. Uh, bringing a- Apex on uh, moves them. Uh, Solidifies them and puts their growth heavy into the e-commerce, especially out of the uh, out of out of Asia, right? Uh, Seven hundred fifty thousand some odd tons of of air cargo Apex moved last year versus nine hundred thousand TEUs or something like that. So it further establishes Kuninagel in the airspace, uh, and to bring this in and it definitely Apex, who is heavy in e-commerce out of Asia, is is a big move for them. So I think it's indicative of the times, uh, but it's obviously a big deal for Kuninagel as well. Okay. 
That's my uh, take on that one there. So uh, we've talked about this before. Containers are flying off of ships, yeah. my friend. Uh, so 260 containers were lost, 65 damage in the Maersk uh, Eindhoven at sea mishap coming out of Japan. What do you think? I like that you got the tough word this time. Eindhoven. That's what I think. <laughs> well, yeah, like I said, we cover this in the What the Truck newsletter. If you want the What the Truck newsletter, go to FreightWaves.com slash WTT. It comes out every Tuesday. It's free. Um, and we talked about it on the show, too, and we actually talked to Rick Bridges from Roanoke about a week ago about yeah. this problem. And, you know, he was talking about the problem at, at ports, at boats at anchor, and you really can't do anything about the uninsurable aspects of this. But this is another issue that's been going on. Like, first of all, it's a little deal because it's a small percentage of containers that this is happening. So even though we set a record for the year, it's still... Be- compared to all those years. But what's super concerning is that we've set this record already in the year. We've set this record already in the year. We are also, but part of it, too, is we had a huge incident, right? Which one was it that oh, lost yeah. uh, 13, what was it? It was the Apis, right? The one Apis, it lost 1,800 containers. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. was a huge one. But we're hearing about this more and more often, and some of it is some of these ships have to stay out at sea or they have to change their routing. They have to go through different waters because of the ripple effect of these boats being out at anchor. So, not a huge deal because it's still a small percentage of anchors. Huge deal if it's your freight on that, though. Huge deal if, uh, yeah. you know, it's a huge deal if uh, Grandma's urns down in Davy Jones' locker because she's <laughs> in one of those containers. <laughs> oh, your Peloton, man. right? No one I gonna... tell you what else. If I'm on a ship like the Eindhoven yeah. and, I, and I lose power to my steering for more than two minutes, yeah. that's a big deal because that's all it took. You know what's a big deal, too? If you don't have cargo insurance, if you don't have marine cargo insurance, don't leave poor without it. Guess what? General average, baby, you're paying oh, for those containers yeah. that went overboard. Yeah. So. Make sure you get that. It's cheap. Make sure you get that in shirts. Hey, thank you for joining us for What the Truck. This has been a really fun show. I love doing these live events. Thank you to uh, especially the audience that comes in from the, the Robin Hooders from Twitter. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys for coming in, being respectful, hearing what Thomas had to say, and giving our show a chance. We do appreciate it. If you did like this show, you can subscribe to it on your favorite podcast player of choice. Just look up What the Truck. Or if you want to watch the, uh, if you want to watch any of these, you can find it on YouTube. Look up Freightwaves YouTube channel, uh, or get the Freightwaves TV app. It looks beautiful on an Apple TV for. Okay, you download Freightways TV app. It's got every single What the Truck ever that's been filmed on there. It's got all the mm-hmm. live events on there, all of our different shows. If you want if you want a potpourri, right? You want a buffet, you want to experience every show we've got in audio, look up our Freightcast feed. Freightcast has every single Freightways podcast all in one feed. And we have about like 19 shows now. So there's a lot to experience, hours and hours and hours of content. It's been an amazing time. If you want to connect with us, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. You look me up on LinkedIn. I will be posting this on-demand version mm-hmm. of the event. I know some of you in the comments said you showed up late. Don't worry. All of these things go up on demand. You can find him at Vincent the Dude on Twitter. That's right. Or you can look up Michael Vincent. Sum up the episode for me. What was your biggest takeaway? Mine was that Healy's battery is pretty kick-ass. Yeah, uh, like I think we all suspected out of Thomas Healy is uh, a a kick-ass battery with many more applications than just uh, in his powertrain for the truck. Yeah, which is amazing. <laughs> no, absolutely. You know. I'm also, you. thank you one more time for Redwood for this. Stick with us at the end of the show. We'll be giving away that year. What is it? A yearly platinum membership to Top Golf. Yeah. Now I know you're a bit of a golfer. Oh, good. Just in time, I'm losing my earpiece. Take it easy, everybody. Oh, wait, that's not my microphone. This is thank you for joining us for What the Truck. It's been a great time. Thank you, Doug Wagner. Thank you, Thomas Healy. Thank you, Transborion. And thank you, listeners. We still have more event coming at you, so stick with us right here, right now. <laughs>